Can a marriage survive infidelity? We dig deep to explore this thorny question. Join me, Jean-Claude Chalmet, and founder of The Place Retreats and a featured columnist for The Times, with Amy Cooper and Louise Daniels, on The Place Retreats podcast. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite Android app. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to your next episode with me, Louise. And me, Amy. And in this week's episode, we've got Dr. Rialina on the show, who is a virologist. um, And she's also a stand-up comedian, so we've asked her to put all her hats on and explain all about the virus, the vaccines, the tears and everything, um, and make us laugh at the same time, haven't we? Yeah, she was brilliant. Yeah, Yeah. so, but um, really worth noting that none of this episode can be taken as medical advice. You've got to see an actual doctor for that, your doctor, okay? So, in other words, we're just like three women chatting at the pub, but the pubs aren't open, so we're doing it on a podcast. That's right, yes. Is that right? But with somebody who has at least got a bit of sense between her I mean, she's informed and everything, but we've got to cover ourselves, Amy, because otherwise we'll get some... Somebody suing us because they'll. You see, there's a lot of people COVID who listen and, to this. Yeah. You do take our word as absolute gospel. So I think you're right, actually. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, Amy, and I'm not discouraging it. But what I'm saying is, it's not my fault if you get coronavirus or you. And, take, and your dying breath will yeah. be put on your yeah. next episode. <laughs> this is coming up after Absolutely. this. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I feel like I'm about to do an exam. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> and if you listen, Rita, if you don't know the answer, we'll just say it. to me, I don't yeah, know the answer. Fine. Yeah, no problem. Honestly, any anything you're like, you're just like, I, I haven't got a clue about that. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> but most importantly, yeah. we're gonna have a laugh, aren't yeah, we? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, mean, <laughs> I was gonna right. say to you, yeah, yes. like you know, you're um, obviously you're a comedian as well, aren't you? So we're gonna be bombarding you with medical questions, and I expect you to make us laugh as well. I'd like you to wear all your hats all at once right now for us, please. Thank I you. I look so good in all my hats as well. <laughs> so good. Um, well, welcome, um, Ria, and um, thank you. No, as I say, you are a, a comedian, and but today you are mainly wearing your doctor's hat. You're a doctor, your doctor, Ria Lena, aren't you? And um, a doctor in virology, is that correct? Uh, yes, yes. Before I became a full-time stand-up, I used to work in virology. Right. So, but but I should disclaimer. I focused on herpes viruses. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, what but... young girl doesn't dream of that? Yeah. Uh, so that was <laughs> that was my specialty. But... That's the perfect training for comedy, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I tell you what, it made for many an interesting conversation in the green room. Ria, can I just ask you a question? Don't show me. Don't show me. <laughs> Oh, brilliant! <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about sort of what's going on in the world today. We're, we're recording this November twenty twenty. Uh, we're in the UK. We're in the second lockdown, um, and the vaccines are coming. Are we um, going in a time capsule? That was no. very. Do you know what? Yeah, do you, I just thought. <laughs> It's tw- November 2020. I, I do fantasize somebody. Exactly, I do fantasize about somebody finding this on a on a, like a, a an iPod or, or like a I don't know a Sony Walkman. An iPod? Yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's two time jumps in it's, time, it's isn't retro, it? They yeah. jumped and they picked up our podcast and then they jumped backwards even further and stuck it on an iPod. <laughs> it's Inception on amphetamines. What can I say? That's like that's my that's my thinking. Um, but yeah, obviously there's lots of news unfolding, and I guess there's been so little new news for so long that when something when there's a gear change isn't there all of a sudden it, you know on your timeline when something develops like this uh this week we, we have seen the coronavirus deaths exceeding 2000 for the Ooh. first time since may and the r rate that they're talking about is now around one so i guess the question is what the fuck are the government doing letting us all gad about for five days over christmas what what do you think about that i understand it if i'm honest i understand what they're doing because they have to balance not just the physical health of the nation in terms of keeping us pathogen free or pathogen safe, but they yeah. also have to balance the the mental health of the nation. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that played a lot into this decision was how do we balance everything so that we can let everyone have five days with people that they might not have seen for the full year. You, you know, remember yeah. we've all been keeping our distance and trying to play it safe since March. And so this might be the first time that a lot of families have even physically seen each other. So I understand the reasoning behind it. I understand the 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 thought process of, of trying to find that balance. But it cannot be denied that that this could be this could 
spell out a, a difficult January mm. for the entire country. Yeah. That's unavoidable, I guess, isn't it? I mean, I'm not particularly a, a Tory supporter, but they are in this kind of impossible spot right now, aren't they? They cannot please all the people all, all the time on all these issues. No, but there's certain things they could do. They could tax Amazon, couldn't they? Oh, like they sure, right mate, at the beginning. Sure, yes. They could have just First gone, thing. listen, we're all at home, we're all ordering from Amazon, but guess what? 20% of every purchase comes back to us and we're going to give that out to, you know, all the children who can't eat yeah. Yeah. when yeah. they're not at school. You know, there there are ways that they could have, you know, we're not going to just give 10 billion worth of, of, of taxpayers' money to our mates who then, turn out don't know what they're doing when it comes to PPE contracts. There's a lot of things they could have done to maybe assuage the rest of us Mm, mm, in times like this. Absolutely. I'm biased. I'm biased. (laughs) But do you think then that these Christmas relaxations are likely to cause a a massive spike in in January? Yes. Yeah. Uh, To be blunt, I think so. But I, I think it's not in isolation. I'm I'm worried about the the huge movement around the country when university students go home for Christmas. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, and then when they go back, back. again in January. Yeah, yeah. So we've got we've got three sort of major events going on there. Yeah, of movement of people coming together that weren't previously together, and actually, almost more worryingly, is if we if we could sort of Star Trek our way into just. Uh, you know, where they energize from one place to the other, what do yeah. they call it? Transport. Mm. If we could do that, it would actually probably be far less of a risk. But how are people traveling? Yeah. How, you know, if you're driving in your car to your family, that's a lot safer. If your household travels only in your household's car to another household, that's far less of a risk than thousands and thousands of university students having to take trains and planes yeah. and buses. And yeah, that's. Of course. Yeah, that's the bigger concern. So I have a friend who I said, are you going to go home for Christmas? She said, no, because I'm worried about that second train. It's not getting there is fine. Mm -hmm. Traveling home on the 23rd, not so worried about because people would have been sensible up to then. It's the journey on the way home. It's that 27th. When they've all been having their festive orgies with like... Yes, festive orgies. (laughs) With grandparents. That's that's how we celebrate Christmas. That's what I'm doing on Christmas Day, Ria. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? With with family is, yeah. that, is that a family thing? <laughs> it's a British thing. My kids would be horrified if they heard that. <laughs> well, um, it totally puts the cracker into a completely different. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, go, but going back to students, so students returning from university. Um, now, what I've understood is that lots of them are being tested first, and then more or less told, yeah, you know, if that test is negative, that means you don't have it. You can go off. You can do whatever you like. But am I right in my understanding that the tests have high false negative rates? So would it be more advisable then um, if those kids, have, if they've had a negative test to kind of disregard that and just come home, all students really, or people coming from other bits of the country, would it be more sensible for them to come home, isolate for a week before spending time with vulnerable family members because lots of our listeners will have university students coming home for Christmas. Well, let's let's deal with the false negative mm. part first mm. of that. Uh, let's be clear what that means. The false negative isn't necessarily about the test not working. No. It's, it makes it sound like the test isn't very good when you say loads of false negatives. Mm. Um, what that means is, is that if you test somebody on one day, we're going to test every, let's say we all test today on Friday. Mm. Okay. And, and all three of us come back negative. That does not mean that we therefore 
never have had it, mm. never will have it, mm. don't currently have it at the mm. moment, but we're right at the beginning of infection and it hasn't built enough to be detectable in the body. Mm. All we have is a snapshot of one point in time. Uh, this is one of the reasons why they say don't come and get tested unless you have symptoms. Yes. Because if you don't have symptoms, then the likelihood is more likely than not we will get a negative test result even though you might be at some stage in the disease process, but it's just not at a point where we can detect it. If you have symptoms, you're coughing or you've lost your sense of taste or smell noticeably, maybe your nose is running, then we know that you're at a point in the infection where we can probably pick it up and then determine whether or not you have coronavirus SARS-2 or you don't and mm. you just have a cold or you have something else because this test is designed, is virus specific. So the test is designed specifically to pick up SARS-2. Uh, that's where this this high level of false negative comes in. But it doesn't mean that if, if we test all the university students while they're at uni and then send them off on trains around the country to go mm. home, they could mm. pick it up on the journey. Yeah, lots of them are being offered two tests, but I was still hearing that there is a an issue with you know, the false negative thing again. So that's the first part of it, mm. is that remember that when somebody tests negative, this is not a, a carte blanche to go out and have fun for the next two weeks of your mm. life. You still need to be careful yeah. because you are still susceptible to infection at any point in that time. Mm. <laughs> for the second part of your question, should they come home, should they isolate? Well, yes, ideally. That's the truth for every, anybody who's planning on getting together with one or more other households at Christmas. Yeah. Ideally, be safe for the two weeks beforehand. Mm -hmm. Be as careful as you can, especially if you're meeting up with older or more vulnerable members of your family. That right. is the ideal. And even when you're all together in the same house or in the same place to celebrate, it still isn't an excuse to go around hugging and kissing everybody. Again, ideally, you're maintaining some kind of distance. You're keeping the place ventilated. I know it's cold, but you know, yeah, keep the windows open, keep the air flowing. Can I also just ask another question about the tests? So I understood that also it depends on who's doing the test. So if a scientist does the test, then they still have just over 20% false negative rate. If a trained healthcare worker does it, that goes up to 27%. But when people read the instructions and self-test, it's a 42.5 false negative rate rate because they're not doing it properly basically it just seems like these tests are like a, a complete waste of time unless you get a positive test you might as well just not bother do you know what i mean you're not getting any any information really from, from it again technically yes mm. i suppose so like a, a positive test result is far more useful yeah. to work mm. with mm. than a negative test result because a positive one then you know where you stand you go oh i need to isolate i need to not go near anybody for the next 10 to 14 days mm. and then after that and I say this, and, and I caveat this strongly, but then after that, you know that you've had it. So the likelihood of picking it up and being as infectious or as contagious as you were the first time, the likelihood of having it as severely as you did the first time are reduced. And I say that, again, I caveat that heavily because we are still finding out about reinfection. Mm. There are people who, just like with, with chickenpox, there are some people who get it once and never get it again. Yeah. There's some people who get it every time they're stressed, they yeah. break out in chickenpox mm. or shingles. So every person is different. So we can't blanket say, if you've had it once, you'll never have it again. We just cannot say that. However, once you've had it, you know that you have some antibodies. You know that you probably have a little bit more cover than your your neighbour who hasn't had it yet. Yeah. I guess what you were saying before, Ria, which we, is worth reiterating, you shouldn't really be pursuing going and getting a test unless you have had some 
symptoms. So if you were having enough symptoms to go and want to get a test, you should also be acting sensibly, i.e. not going on a train. Definitely. Yes. And and the purpose, again, of getting a positive test, as much as, as, as interesting and as informative as it is for yourself, this is really where <laughs> we want that whole track and trace system to kick in. Mm, um, yeah. and, that really and cheap that one. Is... The, really, the really good bargain one that we got. <laughs> oh, the one, the one that Lidl. works at a local level. Yeah, the one that, that's just, that's a dream. Um, <laughs> the one from Little. Yeah, that's that's probably why it doesn't work because we got it in the middle aisle of Little. Just randomly, oh, how about this track and trace system? Uh, oh, it's next to the paddling pool. It's got to work, right? <laughs> it's got to work. It's, it's run by a peer. And everything run by peers work. We all know that because they're, the best, aren't they? Uh, that's how the hierarchy works in society. Uh, so, so it 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 is a, one of the reasons to go get tested when you're symptomatic is actually to feed into the bigger, you know. It's and I know people hate this idea. It is to feed into the statistics, but it is to try and help, uh, especially those areas that have local tra- local track and trace have been proven to be quite effective mm. when it's run by the local council or people who understand their area or know, you know. Uh, know how their community works mm. best that is that those are the most successful track and traces but it, the idea again is to track down everyone you may have been in contact with f- see if they can figure out where it is that you picked it up to just try and stop infection spreading that's really because if if it wasn't for that system if you have any symptoms just stay home yeah just stay home and wait till it clears yeah. because that that will effectively stop the transmission from you you will stop giving it out to anyone else if the moment you have a bit of a cough or uh you know a bit of a a tickle in the nose you're like right not sure what this is but i'm gonna stay home because what's interesting is that we were worried in the spring that when the autumn came and flu season came that the hospitals would be doubly overwhelmed because they'd have everybody suffering from flu and everybody suffering from covid if we weren't careful but actually what what I was reading, um, and again, until the figures confirm this, please take this as anecdotally as possible, but I was reading that because we're all self-isolating, we haven't had the same flu yeah. oh. uh, numbers mm. that we would otherwise expect to have because we haven't we haven't been close enough to pass flu on because flu transmits in a very similar way. Uh, but it actually, we believe with flu, you're sort of, you're, you have one day before it really hits you yeah. where you're contagious. So flu doesn't pass as quickly. Like the problem with coronavirus is that with, with the SARS-2 is that people are passing it on without knowing that they have it. It's that much more, mm-hmm. uh, it's more easily transmitted. Whereas with flu, you've got an idea. You're feeling a bit crappy already. You know, mm. you're like, oh, I'm not feeling so great. And so flu can be more easily contained simply because once you have flu symptoms, that's it. You're in bed, you're knocked out and you're not giving that to the to the community at the supermarket mm. anymore. And, and easier to say, oh God, like, that was yesterday when I was in, in that sweaty club and that girl next to me was sneezing. Like y- y- It's easier to be able mm. to just track what you did th- the previous 48 hours. Whereas obviously with this, it looks like a, was it, it sort of 10 day incubation period? It can be up to, t- they, well, this is why we say 10 to 14 days, please stay in because we're looking at a 10 to 14 day incubation period. Mm. Most people, five to six days from receiving it to developing symptoms, but it can be up to 10. And there has been some anecdotal evidence right at the beginning, which is why this 14 day period exists, because there are some people that it took a full two weeks to show up. Yeah, right. So I guess going back to our previous thing about families getting together. So if, if you're if you're an older person, um, spending Christmas with your family without a worry, uh, it's just not going to be the same, is it? It's not going to be 
the same Christmas. You're not going to have the um, the little ones sitting on your knee and, you know, you're not going to have Granny playing Twister in her usual <laughs> sort of athletic manner. <laughs> I'm coming round your house next year. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's a, a blast. Granny it sounds really great. <laughs> well, it won't be the same. Again, it comes down to, I feel like we're talking everyone out of having a, a lovely Christmas. And I remember what I said at the beginning, that the whole reason for this is to balance out mental health. Mm. And there's a lot to be said for the healing power of happiness and family mm-hmm. and and all of those things that go together because we're not just battling this virus we're battling people being you know huge waves of depression yeah. people are losing their jobs people haven't been able to pay their rent there's, there's huge other health considerations to take into account here and even my own parents and and i and i quote them a lot but my own parents said we would rather if we if this is going to kill us in the next two years we would rather live those two years then spend the next 10 years indoors, yeah. not getting sick, but not seeing our family. So it's also, it's down to, with each individual family, it's down to those conversations, it's down to those households saying, okay, granny, grandpa, how do you want to play this? Because this is, you know, we don't want, because you don't want to be the reason you've lost your grandparents. That, uh, Nobody yeah, wants that. I mean, when you're saying it's down to, I, I really disagree that it's down to grandparents and the older people because um, the way I look at it is that, you know, I'm in a situation where I've got kids in their 20s um, and one teenager that's going to school and, you know, they're like pretty much, I guess, super spreaders, aren't they? Um, and then I've got my... Um, older parents and I feel that it is my job to make that very unpopular decision um, to say to my parents which actually I haven't had to I'm very lucky because they kind of get it but I, I feel it's my job to protect my children from being in a situation where they could I mean in the absolute worst case scenario um have a really terrible cross to bear for the rest of their lives, which when we're talking about mental health is going to really impact their mental health if it turns Mm. out that they've been with granny and granddad at Christmas and then they've dropped dead because it turned out one of them was carrying coronavirus and didn't know about it. So I kind of just feel, I feel quite strongly about that and uh, and I'm not sure... I just, I just can't see a way a way of a way round thinking any other way really um you know but but you're but you're talking about mental health issues and you you've got to think about these old people with their yeah mental health issues as as well it's very complex isn't it there's no right or wrong is there well i, I and i think again you you've you've highlighted an interesting viewpoint that that has to be considered when i say i think it's up to every household i mean this is what the government has done they've decided that it's up to Mm. us Mm. uh, you know every group of three households to decide how they're going to play it what they're going to do if you're going to get together with with elderly and vulnerable remember it's not just the elderly it's also Mm. the vulnerable if you have someone who's Mm. diabetic in your family if you have someone who's who's overweight um, or struggling with other heart uh, conditions they're also at risk here. Um, but what I mean is is that it's up to you to decide how best to keep them safe and how best to manage yeah, everything right. going forward. Because yeah. as you said, you, you, you've very consciously made the decision to protect your children against what yeah. could be, you know, yeah. a horrendous cross to bear yeah. for the rest of their lives. Uh, and it's how you do that. It's how do you, you know, how do you isolate for the two weeks before Christmas? How do you, mm. you know, when, what, if, if you are getting together indoors, how are you doing that? Do you put you know, granny near an open window. 
yeah. in order that, you know, in order that the air that they're breathing is the most circulated. Uh, and then pile the blankets on. Mm. <laughs> Open window, pile the blankets on, you know, yeah. ba- keeping all of that balance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That ba- People, I just, yeah, I think people need to realise that just because it's like keeping within the rules for for you all to be getting together, that you need to absolutely be aware of how to do that safely and take responsibility for that. But I bet people won't. And then in January, they'll all be blaming, you know, <clears throat> whoever decided they could get together at Christmas. And it, you know, there's a real, you know, like you say, that balance of, you know, being told, OK, this is like the, the restrictions are going to be relaxed. And then... But also, you know, like Boris Johnson's not my mum. I mean, I can, I need to, you know, make my own <laughs> informed decisions about how I'm going to deal with that and do that, don't I? Definitely. I think that it's, this is the problem is that when the rules get relaxed, people immediately go, well, the responsibility is on the government. Yeah. And, and maybe that, and maybe, maybe some people can live with that and just go, oh, you know, it wasn't me. It was, it was them. And, mm. and maybe that's where the blame gets shifted. But bottom line, the virus isn't, isn't, in on any of these sage meetings. The no. virus is not sitting there going, <laughs> okay, listen, I'll give you five days, but I want five days for every one day that you have at Christmas. What do you say? I know. She's a tough negoti- negotiator, Rona, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, Ro- Rona, Rona's like... She's a bitch. She is. I mean, she doesn't go out after 10 in the autumn. Um, <laughs> does she? I mean, she was all over the summer, wasn't she? She was just out there loving the sunshine. That was her hot girl summer, I think. Uh, yeah, she was, she, leaving, she was leaving it alone she was leaving it well she was leaving it alone but she was just like listen when it gets cold i'm coming in and uh, you know i also don't like loud parties so if you could stop (laughs) stop all of that that's really harsh in my jam you know (laughs) oh well i think it's actually it's it is really it's really complex all of it isn't it and people have got to be a little bit informed and take a bit of responsibility I know that's going to annoy me. People are going to annoy me around Christmas. <laughs> well, you'll have all that time to stew about it in January when yeah, you're locked down. I again, know. That's just definitely going to happen, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. Regardless of how careful we are. Extended podcast episodes on it. Yeah. yeah. Good. Special. Yes. Extra long. Yes. About how cross I am. Check with out the four hour rant in January. It's, it's just a solo uh, episode yeah. of Louise. It will be. It will we'll be. put it on the iPod as well for those future <laughs> people to pick up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've got some other questions that people have sort of said, oh, will you ask her this? Will you ask her that? So we're hearing of case numbers and hospital admissions coming down or levelling out in many areas. So why are loads of those areas having these new tougher tiers and being stuck into tier three if their numbers are levelling out or coming down? You know what? I think that we're all asking that question, aren't we? We're all asking, no, but well, it comes down to this. What tier are you in, Ria? Tier two. Mm. Are you in London? I'm in, I'm in London. So we're, we're still in tier two, which kind, I actually, I think it kind of makes sense for London Mm. because the idea, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to control it. We're not just sort of going, Ooh, we did four weeks of it and numbers are better. It is about actively trying to reduce numbers. So the government doesn't just look at a static picture of where the numbers were at on the 2nd of December and make the decision. They're looking at a number of different factors uh, per area to decide what tier to put them in. And the, and the with the aim that we are looking to reduce the R number to below one, which means that the rate of infection is actively shrinking. Right now, with it at around one, it's staying the same. So every time somebody gets better, somebody else gets infected. Mm-hmm. And that's not ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're looking at hospital capacity 
They're looking at what the area can sustain. Uh, and they're and they're looking at, well, I mean, those are the two big things. And they're looking at, so the numbers can still be shrinking in an area, but if we don't keep the restrictions on that area quite, quite strictly, hmm. then we could see that uh, blow out of control quickly. Right. That's how they've determined. The size of the areas, I can't comment on. Like some of these areas seem, you know, like they've put some very rural areas in quite strict tiers. I assume... I assume that has to do with their local uh, medical capacity. Yes, I was going to say yes. in London, you've got so many hospitals within that, what, zones one to five? There are so many hospitals that could deal with, like you say, the capacity. Whereas, um, I mean, we're in Kent. We're, yeah, we're in Tunbridge Wells. Which is, uh, we are, would you believe it? We're in tier three in Royal Tunbridge Wells. We're, um, you know. It's oh, that's right. Yeah, all of Kent has been put into tier <laughs> yeah, I know, because it? of swale. Huge. Because of swale. But... I oh, think, swale. you see, when you're set talking... The Swelch. <laughs> what can you do about the Swelch? <laughs> but, but I think when you're talking about your hospital capacity, of course, we've got the big hospital in Tunbridge Wells, which presumably is taking some, you know, t- taking some of that load or will need to. So yeah, so the, the, I can see the thinking around it then. I mean, yesterday I was livid, absolutely livid. But um... it's funny, on my way here, um, I saw like a, the local... Like Kent News, do, do, do. like the, the they're there with a camera and, and a microphone. <laughs> is that the noise? Yeah, that's that, the, do they do their own? That's the jingle. <laughs> They've literally got Bob from um, Seven Oaks, and he just goes do 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 Kent News. Um, and, and I was oh, like, I, I was like, it. please approach me. Normally, you just want to avoid people doing vox pops in the streets, but I was gonna sort of do my um, disgusted from Tunbridge Wells character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was really disgusted last night I had to get a little bit pissed actually in the end last night um, because I was like just to numb my my sad feelings about being in tier three which I know isn't healthy but you know I've, I've quite enjoyed it but um, <laughs> it was really necessary because I was just livid when I got home yesterday lunchtime put on the news and I was like what the actual fuck are you kidding me not Royal Tumber Wells I was you know <laughs> anyway there we go I've got it I'm still we're obviously royal. <laughs> yeah I keep dropping in the royal you know because that's you know we're, we're you know we're special <laughs> anyway. But very, very humble, Ria. Mm, yeah. As you can tell, you know. No, but I think you're right. It's the uh, it's the me- medical capacity. Uh, yeah, that, that that's the, one of the main factors, isn't it? It's a huge part of it because I believe that Brighton had very low numbers, but have been put into a higher tier than the Isle of Wight. Mm. And you have to look at transmission as well. And the Isle of Wight, to be blunt, even if it went raging through the Isle of Wight is still self-contained and yeah, the rest of, the rest of Great Britain is, is okay. <laughs> uh, whereas with Brighton, it's quite a highly populated area. So it's great that the numbers are low in Brighton, but it needs to, you know, we need to maintain that. And we need to maintain that while reopening all the shops, you yeah. know, pubs with pubs with substantial meals, yeah. uh, you know, and everything else. We have to, we have to keep that progress. So that is what the thinking is behind some of the tiers, but they are quite, large swathes sometimes yeah but i'm Huge glad you've areas. explained like that. all of kent is in tier three and yeah. you go okay Should but be. yeah 20 no. they know something people, about they were saying 23 what? million God. people are in tier three that's obviously um, nationally um rather wow. than just wow. in kent we're, we're, uh, wow. to your understanding ria what, what are the settings where covid spreads the most is it is it pubs and restaurants supermarkets or is, or is it the household well thing? okay so there was they did a study phe released a study uh at the beginning of november which uh was 
was interesting and yet at the same time limiting. And the study said that they tra- they tracked a number of people who had infection between, I think, the 9th and the 15th of November, and where did they pick up the infection. And the overwhelming evidence was that they picked them up in supermarkets. Wow. The problem is, is that between the, well, hang on, between the 9th and the 15th of November, we were all in lockdown, and the only place open... Right. Or supermarkets. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. So, it'll be the, it'll on be the, the one hand, night. it'll be the singles night at Sainsbury's <laughs> that I've been going to. Well, that that's exactly it. Um, but which aisle were you in? I mean, this is this yeah. is the key. It was, was it? the tinned fruit. I was giving blowjobs in the tinned fruit aisle. And I think that is where that's where those spike in figures have come from. <laughs> well, um, yeah. <laughs> I am speechless. Um, <laughs> you can see why I've not been invited on Radio 4 to discuss I, I would have at least... No, I, I would have done it in the soft furnishings myself, just for the knees, but um, tin fruit, there we go. <laughs> Sorry, go on. But go on, you were yeah. explaining about why supermarkets. So, that was so at the moment, but that's the only place where people can mingle. In, 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 you know, in lockdown too, supermarkets is the only place that people would go. Uh, so that was understandably, it explained that. Second down from that was, uh, well, there's household transmission, obviously, between people who live together, but uh, bars and restaurants were quite high up. So they'd all gone out because remember right before lockdown two, there was this mini surge of everyone going, we have to go out and eat yeah. before we have to cook for ourselves for a month. So there was this, especially in London where I am, you could feel there were a lot more people out mm. that day before Mm. everything shut as everyone raced around and just went I have to buy shoes do you need shoes no but I just can't <laughs> I know not buy shoes for a I month know. I walked past like Topshop and I didn't even need anything and I was like oh perhaps I should just like quickly go in while I can <laughs> I yes. didn't because I was just like no Louise you don't need anything but you know yeah there was that that feeling there was yeah. that, that so I'm sure that 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 was responsible for a mini spike. So at the so essentially what we've learned from that study is that you can catch it wherever people go. Mm. That's the bottom line. Wherever people interact with each other or go. I mean, this is super in supermarket shopping, you're not really interacting with others. You know, you you go in on your own, maybe with your partner. You know, it's somewhere where we've always naturally socially distanced anyway. Mm. Nobody mm. likes to stand next to someone in the supermarket and you know yeah. and, and and pick tinned fruit. It's just awkward. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, you're know, judging each other. Oh, with syrup. Oh, I see. Okay, well, I get mine just with juice. And it, you know, it, it. So we already naturally social distance in the supermarket. So to see this study revealed that even in the supermarket we're seeing transmission uh, is tells us how careful we need to be. Mm. Um, yeah. Because because you don't think of you when we first you know back in the first spring lockdown we were. Very, we were uber careful in the supermarket, weren't we? And you had to queue outside and they had yeah. these grids on the floor and you got, you know, you glared at anyone who got into your grid. <laughs> Get out of my grid. This is my grid, right? <laughs> you can have this grid later, but for now, <laughs> the meatball section is mine. Uh, it's just, you just, and then, and we've relaxed over time. The summer kind of made us a bit complacent. So now my local supermarket certainly doesn't have the queuing system anymore. No. They don't have the guy at the, at the entrance going, there's your, there's your station, clean your basket, clean your hands yeah. before you come in. All of that's gone. It's a fatigue though, isn't it? Do you think it is, if we, like you say, we've just become complacent. I don't know. It's just, is it just human nature to sort of, uh, yeah, I've already washed my hands six times today. I don't really need to 
you know, sanitize again. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is a certain fatigue. It's also when you get familiar with something, you mm. know, when you when you're first unsure about something, you're very, very careful and you follow the rules. And as you become more familiar, all of that sort of laxes. And we've been living like this for nine months. Yeah. You know, I don't know who's still doing who's still washing their hands for 20 seconds. No, I mean, God, do you know what? When when we first, when all this first happened in March, I washed my hands so much that the skin cracked on my fingers. <laughs> mm. And like now, I, you know, I go to the loo and I wash my hands, that's it. You know, that's when I wash my hands. I'm like, oh, good opportunity to wash my hands. <laughs> like, you know, then I won't do it again until the next time I, I go, yeah. really? I wash you know. my, we wash our hands when we come in from outside. Oh, well, I had that place. rule, but I, Ria, thank you for reminding me because I need to reinstate that because I was Especially like... Especially now you're in tier three, you yeah, dirty bastard. I was, really, <laughs> I was yeah. really militant about it. And Ned used to come in, so that's my 15-year-old, and he used to come in and I would say, right, hand, hands up. He had to put his hands up. He wasn't allowed to touch like a, a door handle or anything. And I'd just be like, right, over to the sink. And I'd turn the tap on for him and squirt soap in his hands. And, you know, I was really, really strict about it. But I've, I'm not bothering at all now but i yeah. need to don't i yeah no that i i feel i i feel it like on my hands when i come in i'm like okay i because i allow myself a bit you know you go around the supermarket you're touching things you're packing things up you know you're doing a lot of touching i don't want i definitely feel on my hands like i need to wash these mm. before i especially if yeah. you've just been to the supermarket and you're about to prepare food oh yes i go yes. yeah no, actually i'm, I'm and mm. and do the twenty seconds. Mm. I definitely I do, that. do the twenty seconds. I've abandoned the twenty seconds or singing happy birthday or whatever it was. I've got like yeah no, but I need to oh, do that you, again. My mother. I said to my mother because you know, I wrote a little song right at the beginning for the kids to do, and I said if you sing this, it's twenty seconds. And and we all abandoned the singing. And my mother said, oh, I just count to twenty. Why can't people just count to twenty? <laughs> She's old happened. Yeah, old school. Just just count. And I went. That's actually genius. And it is the fastest and easiest and least insane way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was that Dunkirk spirit at the beginning, though, wasn't it? This is awful, but let's just sing about it. Well, you know, like, yeah. It's so typical. Oh, we love to sing in a time of crisis, don't we, the Brits? <laughs> oh, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Just wait till January once we've left the EU. Loads of singing. Oh, so much singing. Yeah. Do you remember you when singing for we... your supper? No, there was no was supper. Brexit. Do you remember that? The good okay, old days. right. Back in the yeah, when that was the biggest of our worries. <laughs> um, there's another question we've got from one of our listeners here. Um, how long will the vaccine provide immunity for? Have you? Do you have any sort of? Idea? Nobody knows. No. Right now, because, because bottom line, we can't tell you if a vaccine provides five years immunity until five years after mm. someone's had the vaccine. Oh yeah. It's as simple Makes as that. Sense. You cannot yeah. predict that kind of thing. So no, we don't know. We don't know whether these vaccines will need to be taken annually, a little bit like the flu vaccine. We you know we know that we're going to be living with this this virus isn't going away. Mm. Uh the difference is with with SARS-1 and MERS, which were the two previous coronavirus epidemics that happened where the whole world kind of went <gasps> uh-oh and then it and then it was controlled and contained in the areas that it it, it occurred. And, and never, and it never went from epidemic to pandemic. So with those two, they did sort of retreat again back into nature. So we haven't seen an example of either of those viruses in the human population since. But with this one, we know that it's going to be out there like the cold, like flu. It's going to be circulating. Uh, we're going to have to learn to live with this. And so we don't know yet how uh, frequently we're going to have to vaccinate the population in order to make sure that it stays at bay. 
Right. Yes. Yeah, so that's all un- unknown at the moment. Um, yes. It's not as simple as just, well, we'll vaccinate everybody and that that's be dealt it. with it. No. Okay. Although, in theory, if we could vaccinate the entire world at the same time, then we might be able to oh, yeah. eliminate the virus in, mm. in the human population because it would have nowhere to go. No. It would it would just have nowhere to go uh, th- with this particular virus, though, because it, it I mean, it's been jumping between species. It came from a species. We're not sure which one back in Wuhan back at the beginning. So it already jumped from one species to us. We've seen it jump from us to mink, mm-hmm. uh, especially, you know, they they've they've culled millions of animals yeah. in, in Denmark, which is really sad. And they're looking at the whole the entire mink industry is having to examine. I don't I don't know whether it will survive this, which doesn't completely upset me Mm -hmm. killing all those animals upsets me but Mm. the idea that we're not going to continue to grow mink purely to Mm. make clothes doesn't upset me Mm. Uh, but we do know that this jumps between species so that's the other reason why even if we could in theory vaccinate the entire population and eliminate it from the human population that doesn't mean that it won't just sit somewhere very nearby in nature and wait for an opportunity Mm. because remember every time somebody new is born they don't have coronavirus uh, immunity naturally. So we're constantly going to be adding to the population people that are susceptible Mm. to the virus. So there's, you know, but this is why uh, a comprehensive vaccination program is of interest to the UK because it does allow us to at least go, okay, well, most of us, those of us that can be vaccinated, because remember there will be people who legitimately cannot be vaccinated for various health reasons. um, And it does allow most of us to carry that immunity with us or to carry that protection for the duration of the vaccine, however long that may be, in order that we can reduce its opportunity to run rampant in in our society and try and get back to that normal that we remember, Mm. that Brexit normal that (laughs) we were enjoying back in January. Yeah. Um, Thinking about the vaccine, now I've been doing a bit of research and there was stuff that I've heard reported that I don't fully understand, but it sounds like enormous red flags to me about the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine trials. The American ones, as I understand it, is that the Pfizer and Moderna, is that correct? Um, That they seem to have done these major vaccine trials quickly and properly. But things that I've heard about the the Oxford one Mm. is, so first of all, there was this thing about the vaccine on the giving a half dose in the first injection and then a standard dose in the second one and that that led to better outcomes. But then also they did two trials instead of one big single trial, um, and then just sort of patch them together. This is what I'm hearing, and do tell me if I've got this completely wrong. So there was that, and then when they did the half dose and then a standard dose having better outcomes, but neither of those trials have been designed to test that theory, um, and it, that actually happened as a mistake, um, and it all just sounds... Uh, sound a bit slapdash it does sound really slapdash and the other thing that I understand and again I might have got this wrong is that for 50 years we were campaigning I mean mostly women campaigning because of the disastrous effects that uh, thalidomide had you know on Mm. on babies Mm. Um, and that was all sort of passed last year lots of sort of protocols and things agreed to make sure that never happens again which to my understanding apparently that's all just been chucked out now because we're we've got to focus on really quickly getting this vaccine but to me i i'm like well there's so many things from from what i've read that uh, and i'm i'm not an anti-vaxxer at all ever but i'm going well hang on for a start surely 
during a pandemic isn't the time to be ignoring protocols and evidence that has built up over decades. Surely we should be paying attention to those even more now. So that's alarming me. Um, And then also I'm thinking, you know, is there some way that I can not have the shitty British one and go for the American ones that seem to have been done properly? Um, But... I, so there we go. Uh, that's all the stuff that is going around my head. And I'm like, what? You know, and, and I'd like a just a little bit of like understanding on, I guess, <laughs> and your opinion, you know. So <laughs> it, it's it's funny because there's the there's the scientific opinion, but then there's also just the the, the sort of political opinion of mm. it all. Mm. Yes, the Oxford vaccine has had has been has it's been on a journey it's mm. been on a journey that you wouldn't expect uh, from a from a proper vaccine trial uh, the you're right the uh they had two cohorts one that got two full doses and one that got a half dose and then a full dose and that half dose and then a full dose cohort were actually vaccinated with those doses by mistake so they had changed supplier and they didn't realize that the dose they were giving was a half dose Mm. Um, and that is how they ended up with the second group however some of the most amazing discoveries in scientific history have been a mistake. Well, fair enough, um, yeah. Penicillin yeah. wasn't, he wasn't looking for penicillin. He, he found a mold, uh, you know, growing in his petri dishes and it was killing the other bacteria and he went, wait a minute, what's this? Hmm. And and we discovered one of the, you know, that was one of the most monumental discoveries of, of modern medicine hmm. was penicillin. And through this accidental mistake and they ran it by the regulars they didn't hide it they ran it by the regulars at the time they said this happened but two and a half thousand people have been given this different dose and the regulators said okay but at least we know it and we've monitored it and separate them out and watch them you know keep them separate Mm -hmm. um and and then they discovered through that that actually that group does better Right. That was actually for, and so it's one of those happy accidents that right. we go, okay. oh, that That's was lucky. Right. Okay. And actually, what that brings to my mind as a scientist is going, hang on a second, can we go back to the Pfizer and the Moderna trials and do the same thing? Mm. You know, what 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 uh, dosage are they not testing that maybe we should test to see if that we have better results? That you know, it, it calls up questions in both directions. Right. Yeah. Um, the Oxford trials are smaller. They have been working with, with fewer people um, than the, the Moderna and the Pfizer ones. Um, and it has been different. But everything, I mean, if there's one thing that we can feel safe about, it's the fact that these trials are going to be scrutinized more than any other mm. medical trial in history. So even though we keep, you know, we hark back to like the thalidomide trials, which which was horrendous, horrendous crying shame that that that, that ever happened. Mm. And we've learned a lot of lessons from those. Uh, but the difference is, is that these ones, everybody's looking at them. No one was really watching the Thalidomide trials at the then, time. Was the, there wasn't the scrutiny. Yeah. And because nobody, and think of all the drug trials right now that are ongoing that we don't know about because we won't hear about it until those drugs go to the regulators, are passed, and then are put on our shelves for us to buy. So mm-hmm. there are tons of drugs that we've all taken in our own lifetimes that we've never once gone, mm, yes, but can I just see the trials for this doctor? No. <laughs> can I just, <laughs> yes. you know, right. there's yeah. huge amounts of trust. Yeah. So, so f- at least from these, what we can say is that, okay, they can't put a step wrong. And if anything, this Oxford trial has been scrutinized more than the Pfizer one. The Pfizer one, they just came out with half a, a, a press release um, 
and just went, hey, by the way, we, we're, we're 90% successful. Aren't we amazing? <laughs> and Moderna sort of went, oh, excuse me, sorry, hi. Um, we're, we're actually 95% successful. <laughs> and Pfizer went, what? Actually, no, we are, we're 95% successful. I think you'll find. <laughs> like, it, it, was just, it was just a bunch of mid third trial press releases. And they went, well, here's our numbers. Well, here's our, you know, that's, that's all, that's all that was. They weren't finished with the trial when those figures came out. Uh, we do, I mean, they are finishing up. They're, they're, you know, they're coming to the end of it. It still needs to go through the FDI. We still need to, everything to go through our regulators over here. But if there's one thing that I think that we can, tr that we can believe is that all the data from these trials are available for anybody who wishes to read them, to read them. Um, there are, and there are, to be fair, there are other concerns with the Oxford one as well. Oh, um, I, I you know, the, tr the the group that got the half dose and then the full dose, nobody, I think, is over 55 in that, no. in that well, group. No, but that was my other thing was that I understood that they don't appear to have included many people over 55 at all, even though that group is especially vulnerable to COVID-19, whereas the Pfizer trial had you know, much, you know, almost like half of their mm. participants were over 55 uh, so why is that? Well, what was going on there? I don't know why it was that particular group that ended up giving getting the half dose. So I don't know if they specifically said, here's a group of people that are not over 55. Let's give oh. them the mm. new supply that we just got in. I don't know. Again, because that was by accident that they received that dosage, it might just be complete mm. coincidence that no one in that particular cohort was over 55. I don't know that it was intentional to be fair. Mm. However, what we've ended up with are results that we go, oh, this is promising. Unfortunately, we don't know how this would affect people over the age of 55, simply because of who got that particular dosage. But I, my understanding is that Oxford is going to go back and do more dosage right. trials. Um, so we trust that there appear to be no short-term risks that we have seen so far. Like you said before, you only know what the five-year risks are when we get to five years. That's such a good point. I mean, it's impossible to know any of the of the long term effects, isn't it? Well, you say long term effects. Do you mean like, do you are you worried that people will grow a third arm? In a I mean, years I think a third arm would actually be quite useful. <laughs> wouldn't it, wouldn't well, it just? multitasking. <laughs> and if it were two metres long to help with social distancing, it would be... <laughs> that would be helpful. Um, what people have, have, have brought up who have got kids in their 20s is things like... Um, like infertility. Like, yeah, fertility yeah. or autoimmune disease, you know, things like that or any long-term effect, but, you know, whatever, I guess. But what I'm wondering is, is there something that as, you know, that somebody, unlike, you know, unlike a lay person who has like no idea, is there something like about the molecular structure or something that you can go, no, we know that there will be no long-term effects because of this? Or is it just that actually, no, we don't know and we're going to have to just suck it and see and 30 years down the line... Let's just see how people are faring. What we need to do is go back to the basics and understand what exactly a vaccine is. And I think that that's what we forget is mm. exactly what it is that we're trying to achieve with a vaccine. Uh, because it's developed in a lab, because we are picking apart uh, bits of biological information, for, you know, we're taking virions, viruses apart and and. And, and injecting parts of those into people. People go, oh, that sounds so, that sounds so um, terminatory, doesn't it? It mm -hmm. sounds like something from the future. And it is quite scary. But bottom line, if, and, and this is what to remember, think about right now, all of the thousands of people who have contracted SARS-2. What's actually happened in their body? A live, quite dangerous virus 
has entered their body and has in, in, in the way that viruses work is that they, in order to replicate, need to use your cell machinery. So the so inside your cells is it's a fully kitted out machine that allows DNA and RNA to replicate. And our cells use our own machinery all the time in order to create proteins, in order to uh, split the cell, in order to, you know, for growth, for repair. We're using that machinery all the time. And what a virus is, is a virus is just a container of genetic information that doesn't have any of its own machinery. It travels light and it comes into your body. It goes into a cell. It uses that machinery to replicate itself. And then because it of the way that it works. It actually replicates itself uh, exponentially within a cell. And once that cell is bursting to the brim with new virus, it bursts and that it releases itself into your body. And then each one of those viruses goes off and finds another cell to mm. infect, to replicate exponentially. And if your immune system doesn't get on top of that, you can see how quickly mm. that infection could get out of control. Mm. Now, think of the thousands of people that have, that's what's happened to the thousands of people that have had SARS-2 so far this year is that this virus has entered the body. And depending on how severe your immune system reacts to that is actually what determines how ill you become. So some people, the, the virus goes in, especially in the young and the children as we've seen, and, and the virus goes in and the body goes, oh, that shouldn't be here. And it goes along and it goes, oi, and it picks it up by the scruff of the neck and goes, you should not be in here. That's it. Get out. And it clears up the virus pretty quickly. And they have pretty mild responses to that. They might have a bit of a sniffle. They might have a bit of a cough, maybe a fever for a day. But overall, they're not incapacitated. When we're seeing people that have to be let into the hospitals, um, people who are ending up on ventilators in ICU, this is where the body's had a massive overreaction. So it's actually the immune system's response to being infected that has led to them being so capacitated. Uh, and that's where... Uh, this battle occurs in the body between the immune system trying to clear out all this virus. And, and sometimes it's, it's an overkill. It's almost like the, the body marshals too much of its own army against oh, the virus. Right. Okay. And that's where we end up, you know, that's where people end up actually needing additional help and additional support. Because you remember things like mucus. Mucus is the debris of war. That's, that's what it is. It's where you're clearing out dead cellular debris. You're clearing out dead viruses. You're clearing out dead parts of the immune system mm -hmm. that have fought vi vi valiantly uh, and died. That's what mucus is. And if it's filling up your lungs because you're having this massive battle and, you know, and, and there's debris everywhere, then you can't breathe. And that's where people might need extra oxygen therapy in, or in order to help them get the oxygen that they need to keep going. That's, that's what's going on. So, that's what's happening in the body. A vaccine, the idea of a vaccine is to prevent that overreaction by pre-warning the body right. what a viral infection looks like. So already we are talking about presenting to the body something that is less severe, less dangerous mm -hmm. than the actual disease itself. It's almost like a dress rehearsal for the immune system, isn't it? It's like showing a mugshot around the body. Yeah. That's what you're doing is you're going in with a mugshot and going, you see this protein? If you see this protein, that's attached to a very dangerous virus. So if you just see the protein itself, we want you to get rid of it quickly. That's what you're doing is you are pre-prepping the body for a much worst case scenario. It's like a practice run. Right. It's that yeah. you know how militaries do practice war runs and they just go, okay, the army like versus drill. the navy, yeah. go like a drill. That's exactly what we're doing. So already what we're offering with a vaccine is an opportunity to prep your body with far less risk of the actual disease because you're just giving it 
part of the, you're not giving the whole virus. You're definitely never giving the entire virion that's capable of replicating. We would never do that. What we're saying is, uh, in the case of the Pfizer um, and the Moderna ones, what we're at, what they're doing is they're actually giving the blueprint. They're actually sending the blueprint in for one of the viral proteins, just one protein of the whole thing. Because remember, a virus is made up of, um, it's got its genetic material in the middle, which could be DNA or RNA. Then it's got a casing on the outside. That casing on the outside is then going to have proteins stuck inside it. And it's those proteins that are on the outside that, that make it, that identify it for who it is. That's its face, if you want. Mm -hmm. And it's those proteins on the outside that are unique to SARS-2 that most of the vaccines that are being developed are focusing on. They're focusing on what's called the spike protein uh, because it's it's shaped a bit like a spike. And it's that's what we're training the body to recognize is just that protein. So both the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines have got a blueprint and they are essentially injecting into the body a blueprint and they're going, hey, 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 make this blueprint, make this blueprint. And then the body goes, oh, okay. And it goes to a cell and it says, hey, cell, can you make this this protein from this blueprint with your machinery? And the cell goes, yeah, okay. And the cell turns out hundreds and thousands of these proteins. And then, unfortunately, it, it'll probably burst <laughs> and, and the cell will sacrifice itself for this. But now suddenly all of these spike proteins are running around the body and the body goes, wait, what is this? This is not our protein. What is, what is this protein doing here? And then the immune system comes in and goes, no, this is not okay. You are not, you are not from us. You should not be running around these, these corridors. And it shuts, you know, it clears up all that protein mm. and then the next time if the virus itself if comes knocking at that body's door and goes hey hey i'm gonna come in the immune system will be like ah i've seen you i've seen that protein before you do not belong here get out and right. we'll attack it much faster whereas if we hadn't pre prepped the body and gone hey by the way this this spike protein shouldn't be in the body what might happen is the virus comes knocking on the door and goes knock 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 hey can i come in i'm just i was just in the neighborhood i was just thought can i just have a tour just a quick tour and the body's like oh yeah nah, maybe um where, who are you are you jehovah's witness what are you doing what are you who are you what are you and before you know it the virus has gone in going can i just borrow your loo can i just borrow this cell i just just need to borrow quickly borrow and it's in yeah. And and it take and then the body goes, Oh, that's that oh, we shouldn't have let that happen. So it's about pre-priming the body. That's what a vaccine does, mm. is it, it is pre-priming you. So you've got to remember when we're talking about side effects and everything else, often some people there's some people who are allergic to certain vaccines. They cannot have them. And it's not actually the the pathogen information itself in the vaccine that they're allergic to. It might be some of the other things in there that it's packaged with that they're allergic to. You know that they grow some vaccines in eggs. Mm, and right. and people who are allergic to eggs can't take those vaccines, not because they're allergic to that particular virus or that particular bacteria, but because they're allergic to the egg that it was grown in in the first place. So a lot of times that what, you know, when people focus on a vaccine, go, oh, this is, this is gonna, you know, could this make me infertile? Uh, no, mm. introducing this protein to the body to, to tell to do run this drill so that the immune system knows what it looks like it, yeah. in no way so is, you know, see. has yeah. any effect on the reproductive uh, so system. So when I made that thalidomide um, comparison, that's completely incorrect because that, that wasn't a vaccination. It was a completely different thing, wasn't it? It, it was, but I think that you're, the concerns were correct. I mean, mm. with thalidomide trials, they weren't tested properly. I mean, back back in the old days, that's, mm -hmm. not, that's not a good phrase, but 
drug trials for many, many decades were mainly conducted on men. Mm. They they didn't yes, even th- you know they didn't even think to go well hang on if no. we're going to make this drug available to the population <laughs> let's mm. test it on a sub you know a, yeah. a legitimate cross section of the population yeah. uh, and then after thalidomide was okayed by because they never even considered that women have different biology they no, never considered no. that children have different biology uh, you know pregnant women yet again it's a completely different wow. pregnant women are different to women you yeah. have to. To mm. consider them as yeah. two completely different um, testing environments, yeah. and and it's tricky because I don't know any pregnant women. I don't know a lot of pregnant women that would willingly sign up for a drug trial. No, no. I I, I personally, I certainly would. I have children. I certainly would not have done that. I no. would have been like, no, thank you. I I think this. I I'm not going to experiment with my baby's life. Thank you very much. Mm. Um. So so it is it is tricky. Uh. But but. That is something that definitely we we know about now. We're still learning. We're still overcoming a lot of the paternalism of of, of medicine. We're still struggling with that. You know, women. It's it's known that women go to the doctor with maladies, and and women more than men are told to shake it off. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you're just being a woman. You're just complaining. Oh, you know, oh, must be that time of the month for you. Just take a <laughs> chill pill and yeah. come back next week. You know, we're we're still fighting against that uh, in, in society and actually we also see that issue with race as well is that yeah is you know is that we recognize in a lot of the medical textbooks if you look at a lot of skin conditions all the pictures are of caucasians mm. so it makes it harder to recognize a similar condition in in someone who's who's you know mm. black mm. that's black because it, it might look different and it'll present differently so we're still we're still working to overcome some of these issues. But if there's one thing I can say about these vaccine trials is that they are so openly, uh, they're going to be so scrutinized by mm. so many people. Yeah. And understanding what a vaccine is, as that's put my mind at rest about there aren't going to be long-term side effects. That's not a concern then. Well, this isn't a drug. This no. is a vaccine. Yeah. These are, those that's, are two yeah, different that's what, things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. To be fair, we have to take each vaccine as it comes because the vaccines are different. Moderna and Pfizer both happen to be this blueprint mRNA vaccines, but the Oxford one is actually a, an adenovirus vaccine. They're taking a common cold uh, virus from a different species, so one that doesn't I- infect us naturally anyway. They are then putting false, they are uh, forcing that spike protein I was telling you about onto the surface of this particular cold virus. And they're using the cold virus as a means of getting that, that protein into the cell so that they can kickstart this, this reaction. Mm. Um, so it's a different method of delivery. It's the same principle, which is let's get the body to recognize this spike protein as bad. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same idea. That's so helpful because I don't think I've learned as much as I have in the last sort of seven minutes throughout my whole of my education, uh, which is worrying. Uh, I don't know. I think I was just stoned for most of my secondary school education. But um, thank you for that. I think that will really put a lot of people's uh, mind at rest. Mm. Can I just ask you, what do you th- obviously you've just explained there about how the vaccine works. Do you think giving it to young people, sort of teenagers, those in their 20s, that would be relatively safe? Would it be useful though? It's interesting. A lot of people are worried about children and and i've heard this question before but what about the young people do we give to the young people uh remember that most of us are vaccinated with most of our vaccines in childhood Mm. and the reason is because 
when you are young, A, you've got the best immune system you're ever going to have in your life. Yeah. Uh, B, it, nothing affects you as badly. Remember, the younger you are that you get chicken pox, the, it's the, milder, be, yeah. the milder yeah. it is. Yeah. You still build the same immunity to it. If you catch it, well, actually, they say you need to get chicken pox over the age of one year for that immunity to stick. If you have it at six months, sometimes you can catch it again because yeah. you're just a little bit too young under a year old. However, but then when the you get it at 12, it's just awful, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that is because your immune system is, is, is just the best that it can be. And it comes in and it goes, oh, that shouldn't be here. Get out. And also because you renew as a, you know, you're still growing, you're still mm. renewing more as a child. So I would not hesitate at all to give the vaccine to younger children because the younger you are, the better I think you'll find, you know, I think that they'll they'll stand mm. up and go running off afterwards. Whereas we've seen that some of the, the adults in some of the trials have said, look, after, you know, the day after I had the vaccine, I had a massive migraine or mm. I had some body aches or, and those are natural, all vaccines. I mean, anytime you have to go for a vaccine for anything, they will give you the leaflet and say, you may experience some of these side effects. And it's not crazy to expect there to be side effects. You are still actively activating your immune system. Yeah. That's not going to be for nothing. I mean, our immune system's working all the time. We're constantly being bombarded with, with pathogens from the outside environment. Mm. You, know, we're, you know, for every cold that you catch, there were probably a whole bunch that you didn't, that didn't take because your immune system went, nah, I saw you last year. Get out, get out. Right. Mm. And then there's that one that just slips in there that you go, oh, I've got the, I've got what's going around. So in terms of young people and children, I, I wouldn't I'm personally not worried about about that. And in and in some ways, I think that's great because they are able to spread it without necessarily knowing that they're doing it because their disease progress is so much more mild than it generally is in adults. Well, I mean, I think we're... Do you know what? I was just going to say, Louise, mm. sorry, I just talked over you. No, we do fine. this We do this all I the time. I don't mind being talked um, over. <laughs> I would say, you know, if you're listening to your next episode, like, don't say we don't give you yeah. anything, guys. <laughs> okay? It's like, been so informative. It, it has. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, mm. thank you so much. Pleasure. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I've got, like, l loads of people on Instagram and things were pinging messages um, about, you know, things that they wanted yeah and i just think the whole everything i've been asked everything i've wondered you've just covered the whole lot so thank you so much ah well my work here is done yeah. <laughs> we'll put all your information in the show notes as well great thank it's been you. lovely to chat to you thank you again it's wonderful thanks for having me a podcast from producer paul.co.uk ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.